0: Swings! Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton. And in today's episode, we have a really awesome interview with Alec Burleson, of the St. Louis Cardinals organization. Alec is just honestly the man. I'm just going to put it point blank. He's one of the coolest guys I've talked to in the minor leagues and also just incredibly soft spoken, humble guy that is putting up ridiculous numbers. And I think I mentioned his numbers several times through the episode just because they're so ridiculous and fun to say. Uh, but the guy's doing a little bit of everything. He's hitting for average, he's hitting for power. He has been very, very impressive, and in just his second season to already be his second professional season that is to already be in his second stint of Triple A ball, making it up to Triple A last year is absolutely ridiculous, and a testament to one how advanced this guy is as a hitter, but two uh, his. Just mental wherewithal is, and you'll see that in the interview, just how smart of a player he is, how mature he is, and how he's able to learn from his experiences and really uh, take from some of the best minds in baseball and really lean on other veterans and take whatever he can. And that's a great sign of a smart player who is always willing to learn. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Alec Burleson, of course, very physically talented, is taking his game to the next level because of the mental side of things as well. And he was very honest and open about a lot of that through this interview. Before I cut to that, I wanted to talk briefly about Vinny Pascantino, who gets the call up for the Kansas City Royals. Of course, somebody had to move out to get Vinny up there. Carlos Santana was traded. I'll talk about that return in a second because there is a little bit of intrigue there. But just so excited for Vinny Pascantino, a guy that you know we've been talking about for a long time on this podcast, all the way back to when it was still locked on MLB prospects. I mean, we've been talking about Vinny Pascantino ad nauseum as one of the most underrated prospects in baseball and one of those guys that really led me to... Uh, start looking into more players who have that Ty France type of effect that just really hit for power, for average, and get overlooked because they don't have the freakish tools. Pascantino departs A, hitting 280, 372, 576, and that's even after a little bit of a rough stretch relative to what we're used to with Vinny, but 18 home runs, more walks than strikeouts still. Uh, he is just a phenomenal, phenomenal hitter, and I'm expecting it to translate to the big league level, and I think that Royals fans are really going to love the 6'4", 250-pound Italian, who is a ton of fun to watch and has the charisma on the field as well uh, to become a fan favorite very quickly. Carlos Santana shipped out. He goes to Seattle, uh, which you know Seattle is kind of just trying to figure it out and see how they can survive, and it makes sense that they wanted to go make this move because their season is getting away from them quickly. And as I was talking about, ironically, Ty France himself uh, got injured. And he's on the IL for at least the 10-day IL for now. He's going to probably be out for a couple weeks. And The Mariners need to replace some sort of production at first base. So they go out and get Carlos Santana, who, you know, still walks with the best of them. Uh, But I I don't know how much he can offer them offensively, but he helps get them through this stretch. Hopefully Uh, the return doesn't really hurt a Mariners organization or a Mariners farm system. That is one of the best in all of baseball, but they do give up. Uh, two intriguing guys, relatively speaking. Will Fleming has the most upside, but he's also the furthest away from the big leagues. Six-six right-handed pitcher who has a very solid slider and a two-seamer with a ton of run. They continue to try him as a starter right now, and he hasn't been great—a 4.92 ERA so far in Low A. As a 23-year-old, uh, he's a college guy out of Wake Forest. So uh, you'd like to see him a little bit further along in his development. But as a six-foot-six guy, sometimes those guys are slower to develop. I'd like to see him as a bullpen arm. With the tailing fastball and the slider. Right now the fastball is 93 to 95. I assume as a starter, might maybe ticks up 94, 96. Hopefully, maybe can even grab a 97. That stuff will play up if the slider also ticks up a little bit velo wise as well. Looking at the other piece, Wyatt Mills, that's a guy that's already seen some big league time. He, he was in the Mariners bullpen a little bit this year, eight and two-thirds innings and held his own, but has been really solid in triple A through his 19 and two-thirds, punching out 17, walking seven, but pitching to a 1-8-6. CRA and a .966 whip. Uh, You're hoping that that's a middle of, uh, I guess, middle inning reliever uh, that you're getting out of here. But, I mean, really, to get anything in return for Santana. I know that the Royals are eating some of the money or maybe a majority of it. We haven't seen the exact figures yet. Still, they got some prospects in return and a guy with some upside and a guy that could help their bullpen now. So uh, not the worst trade in the world, but more importantly and most importantly, in my eyes, opens a spot for Vinny Pascantino. Hopefully the St. Louis Cardinals will open a spot for Alec Burleson soon because I think this guy is big league ready. His 343 batting average with 15 home runs would suggest that. uh, And the sub 16, k percentage would also suggest that but i think also the conversation that you'll hear here with burleson will also uh, reinforce the idea that this guy is ready for the big leagues i hope you enjoy it he is an awesome dude and i think you'll come away being an alec burleson fan at the end of this interview without further delay here is one of the best prospects in the cardinal system alec burleson alec burleson of the st louis cardinals organization now in triple a pacing triple a and so many statistics and i'm really excited to get to know a little bit of why and how you're doing this but congratulations on a great i wouldn't even say start i would say almost first half to the season and thanks for taking the time alec i appreciate it thank you for having me so let's just start with an easy one a little softball question just how have you been feeling so far this year man because it seems like you're seeing the ball well, you're swinging it well, and you've just kind of picked up right where you've left off, or if anything, kind of leveled up from last year. Uh, already in Triple A, you tasted Triple A last year. Now your second stint there. You know how's that been? Now getting your second look at at the basically highest level below the monitor, or below the big leagues.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, you know taking that you know month month and a half I had last year into this year, and um, you know I think at the end of the year last year I struggled a little bit um you know maybe have lost a little bit of steam i think uh it'd be my first um you know professional season and kind of losing steam there at the end um but yeah just taking that experience and and we had we had basically the same guys and the same the same staff here too um so just be, being able to have them and being being so more comfortable and um but yeah it's been great it's been a great first half
0: can you talk a little bit about that losing steam? Because you were a two way player in college. I referenced you a lot after our first interview, where you talked about just how much it helped you as a hitter to stop to stop pitching and really just be able to focus on that on that masher strength and not have to worry as much about you know the pitcher's uh, workouts and things like that. And we had Matt Mervis on, uh, who's in the Cubs organization, pitched a little bit at Duke, and he just said not having to worry about my arm care routine <laughs> was was just a big uh, you know reprieve as well, but also just the, the energy side of things, right? You've never played that many games in a row. Is is that what you're referencing there where you just kind of run out of gas a little bit because you've never really tasted anything like that, right? You, You, you played more than 120 games, I believe last year. Was that somewhat of the, the, I guess, run out of gas or tired at the end of the season that you felt, or was it just a culmination of things in that first professional season?
1: No, I think that was the biggest thing is, you know, coming from college playing 56 games, Maybe maybe sixty games, um, and then you turn around and play one hundred and twenty games, um, and you're playing every day. It's not like in college where you're playing fifty to sixty games, you know, three a week, four a week. Yeah. We're, we're playing six a week, um, and you know, the biggest thing is taking care of your body and um, you know, fueling your body with with you know, good meals, good food, and hydration and stuff. And I think that. Um, you know, I took that for granted last year and, um, you know, carrying that into this year, obviously it's easy at the beginning of the season. And I feel like I've been, um, you know, on top of that, um, at the beginning of the season, but it's really going to, you know, matter at the end when, you know, you're, you're 80, 90, a hundred games in and, and you have to try and finish the season strong and, um, your body's telling you different things, but, um, yeah I think that's the biggest thing that I'm carrying in is taking care of my body and making sure that I'm ready to go every day.
0: Where'd you kind of like feel that as a guy that's a power hitter but but a little bit more than that obviously but I mean your job is is to be a corner guy that mashes right I feel like that's that's what you do but it's amazing and we'll get more into you know how you've balanced that with a incredibly low strikeout rate uh, which puts you in a very small portion of players in the minor leagues that can you know hit for as much power as you are and and Strike out as little as you do. But when you talk about that running out of gas, is it like your legs? Is it, uh, what are you feeling? Cause I don't know if, if the average listener or even myself can really identify with that. I've never played 100 plus games in a, in a season.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the body. Um, but something that people don't really know is the mental side. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're mentally drained for, you know, three, three hours a night, every night and then you have another two or three hours where your adrenaline's up and you're trying to wind down. And so you don't get into bed. You know, everybody thinks all the game's over early, you know, you get to go to bed early. That's not really the way it works. It's more, you know, you have two or three hours where you have to wind down, you have to decompress and um, you know, that's, that, that's going to be what it is. Um, That's something that I can't really control obviously. Um, But the, the physical part, yeah, for sure. um, That definitely takes a toll. And, um, you know, doing your preventative work to make sure, you know, obviously you're not out for a certain amount of time uh, with injury or something, but, um, you know, getting to getting into the field early, getting your, you know, pre-work in your, um, you know, hot tub, cold tub, whatever it may be that you need to do. Um, that's just as important as, you know, getting your swings in before the game or taking BP, whatever. That um, I, I would definitely put that up there with doing those things before the game, just because it's, it's going to, uh, you know, mean a lot down the, down the stretch. You're a cold tub guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll contrast. I'll, I'll do i uh, I'll do three in the cold, three in the hot,
0: three in the cold, three in the hot, three in the cold, three in the hot. Did someone put you onto that? I feel like no no one does a cold tub by themselves. Like I feel like someone has to put you onto that. Right. Um,
1: I mean, my trainer in double a, you know, showed it, showed it to me last year. And um, I mean, it really just shocks, shocks your legs. I don't know if it, Um, I don't know how much it does for recovery, but I know that it kind of, you know, shocks the body and, and kind of, you know, numbs if, if you're sore, it kind of numbs it. So it's, I I like to do it. So,
0: I I mean, I I know a lot of people that swear by it, but I always love asking just like, how'd you get into that? Because you got to put a gun to my head to jump into an ice bath. I just, I can't handle it. The
1: the the first, first time going in is, is not, not, not fun, but you definitely get used to
0: it. You referenced the double A trainer and the crazy part for your season last year is that you were in three for played for three different teams all within the same organization starting in high A that was only 11 games so that was really just kind of a a cup of coffee and I think very quickly it was clear that you you were ready to go to to double A but. You know, going through double A and a pretty early promotion to triple. I mean, I I probably undersold how many games you played there uh, by saying a taste. You got 45 games at the triple A level. And uh, that was another reason why probably your season was so long is that's the longest season as well. And it it Mm -hmm. just kind of lined up that way. But going into the year, I'm sure you had high expectations and high hopes for yourself. But could you really have imagined going into last season that you would have finished the year after starting in high A at triple in your first pro year? No, no,
1: not at all. It was um, you know, going my my goals going into last season were, you know, have a good year in high A, finish in high A, and then, you know, this year obviously be in double A and um, you know, quick promotion to double A. And um, you know, I, I didn't think there was any chance, you know, I would move up to triple A. And I said, you know, have a have a good year in double A and, and um, you know, hopefully start in triple A the next year and then obviously got the call up to triple a, uh, at the end of the year, but yeah, I mean, it definitely made for a little bit longer season, obviously, because I had a little bit of travel to do and, um, you know, trying to get comfortable with some of the guys and, and um, you know, bouncing around three different teams, uh, can be a little stressful, obviously, you know, straight out of college and yeah. you're with, you're with some grown men in triple a. So, um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have had it any other way, obviously. So.
0: Yeah, and that's what's fascinating to me because I think it's a little bit of, of a Cardinals thing. Uh, they, they have a willingness to be aggressive with their prospects, but they're not, they're not going to promote you just to promote you. you got to show them something, and they'll give you that opportunity. And you seem to seize it at every stop because you talk about not playing the way you wanted to at the AAA level. And, and I think that your numbers this year at the AAA level will reinforce that you know you have a higher standard for yourself, and you've got 15 homers already this year, and you're hitting 343. Last season at the AAA level – I was honestly really impressed because to, to do what you did, to start in high A, like you said, and and really be able to make it to triple, to, to walk 10% of the time, to only strike out less than 16% of the time. You know, what was it for you that you felt like just wasn't quite there? Because you did cut the K rate down and you walked more, which generally is an indication of of things going well, but you know, the overall slash line maybe not quite where you wanted it to be. Was that just more fatigued swings, but you felt like you were seeing the ball well? Or, you know, what was it for you that, you know, didn't quite get the counting stats and the the overall slash line where you wanted it to be? But the swing and miss and in, in, in terms of, of just getting on base seemed to be pretty strong overall.
1: Yeah, I, I think the physical part had had something to do with it. Um, but I think it had more to do with, you know, I was pressing, you know, I, I maybe not
0: maybe didn't feel like I should have been there. Maybe. That's, that's um, fair. I mean, we all have those moments, I think in any yeah. aspect of life.
1: Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I was obviously there for a reason and I knew that, but it was the fact of, you know, I'm here my first year, you know, most guys don't do this. So I was trying to, you know, press and, and do more than I should have. And, um, you know, taking that into this year, obviously it's, it's a long season. So there's no real, real reason to do that. I mean, I'm going to play every day. I'm going to get more opportunities. And, and um, and I think that was a part of it last year. You know, I I started to press and and started to um, you know, not hit as well. Uh, Defense wasn't as good and I started not playing every day. So that gave me, um, you know, a little bit more of, okay, when I do get in the lineup, I have to do more so that I play more and that didn't, that didn't work out either. So, um, You know, I think it was a, a comfortability thing. Um, Obviously, the guys were great last year, but um, I think it was a lot of different factors that went into that. And, you know, identifying those factors and, and taking those into this year,
0: I think it really helped, too. And, and I love that you're talking about this this angle as well. And and this is something that's been really awesome uh, that I'm seeing, you know, more and more players have that comfort of, you know, speaking towards that, that mental side of it, because it, it is so important for people to understand that, you know, it, it, it's a very, every sport is very statistic driven, but baseball, maybe as much as anything, we're just looking at numbers and and that's all that really tells the story. That's the only story that you're going to get. Fan is not going to tell you what's going on with Alec Burleson, you know, between the ears, it's only going to tell you what's going on on the baseball field. And I don't think people realize that it's not just, oh, he went up to AAA and magically the pitching was, was way better. And, and that's why he didn't perform the same way, because I'd argue, and I want your thoughts on this, that double a is, is as close to triple a and and I know the listeners are probably tired of me saying this but I think double a is as close to triple a as it's ever been. What are your thoughts on that? And then I also wanted to ask you just you know what do you think enabled you to be able to you know climb those three levels in one year like you said when you weren't even expecting to do so?
1: Um I mean I they're definitely similar. I don't think they're far off double a AA and triple a. Um I think you see in triple a a lot more Polished pitchers yeah. um, and hitters, obviously. Um, I think in Double A, guys are still trying to figure out um, kind of who they are as a as a hitter or as a pitcher. Um, and in Triple A, they figured that out. Now it's just trying to perfect that and obviously make it to the next level. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not there's not too much too much off between the two. I wouldn't say, I just think it's, um, you know, as a hitter for me, I think that if you have a weakness in AAA, they're going to, they're going to throw to that weakness. Um, and in AA, they may throw to it, you know, one AB, and then they'll try and use their stuff to get you out more um, to their strengths. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And in, in, AAA, you know, you're going to get what you're, what, what, what you're not, Hitting or, or if you're, um, you know, if you're a pitcher flip side, you know, we're, we're going to try and hit your best pitch, um, wh- whatever it may be. But um, yeah, and, and referring to your second question, um, you know, I, I think. That's a tough one. I mean I mean I think I just I just played the game. I just showed up and played the game and played how I played and and um you know obviously there were some swing tweaks at at the beginning of uh the season last year during spring training and stuff the the covid spring training that we had and um there there were some tweaks there obviously to to try and hit for more power. Uh, I mean in college I think I only had like 9 home runs one year and then maybe three more, I think, but, um, didn't hit for a lot of power. And, and that, that was, that was due probably to the weight room being a pitcher and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just a couple swing tweaks and, but I stuck to my same approach. I think, um, you know, like I said, using that, that pitcher's mindset in, in the box, it allowed me to kind of, you know, think like a pitcher and allow me to, um, you know, use that to my advantage. So, um, but I would—I w- I just think I played the game, played the game how I'd, how I play the game, and it worked out.
0: And we'll dive into it a little bit more on the Streamyard afterwards, which I'm I'm really excited to to get into like the the nitty gritty of of your abs and uh you know your swing because there are some slight adjustments even I've seen from last year to this year, uh, and I, I would love to just touch on that. And then uh, for listeners, I want to get a little bit more of the links in the podcast description to get the the full look at you know, everything that Alec Burleson is thinking at the plate without giving away too much. Uh, and also, you know, some of the adjustments you've made, but especially with two strikes, maybe you were doing this last year, but I didn't pick up on it, but it seems like you're a little bit more pre-stacked on your back leg. Is, is that something that you've, you've adopted recently, or is that something you've always kind of done? Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I've really loved the way you've looked with two strikes regardless, uh, but I didn't know if you made any, any tweaks in that regard.
1: Yeah, no, I, I've done that since college. I, it's, I, I'm i always stacked in my backside and my back hip, but I just, with two strikes, I widen out and, and I call it like a little no stride stance. Yeah. Um, and it's just get the foot down early and just see the ball. Um, and it, you know, allows my head not to move and I can actually, you know, see the ball earlier and determine if it's going to be ball or strike. And um, that's just something that Coach Godwin at East Carolina, he instills in all of his guys and, and – I felt comfortable with it and and I don't feel like I lose any, um, any power or anything. I think, you know, if I, if I had to, if, you know, I get, get into and start to struggle a little bit, you know, I can go right to that. and, And, um, I would, uh, you know, be perfectly fine. Wouldn't lose any power or anything. Um, the only thing is when I'm in that stance for me personally, I get in, um, kind of in a swing mode, like very, very wanting to swing. So I think if I did that early
0: in the count, I wouldn't be as selective. Um, I was going to ask you, why not do it all the time then? Because it sounded like it sounded like a like an all win situation. But that does make sense. You're seeing the ball a little earlier. You want to pull the trigger at almost anything a little
1: bit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's because I, I'm I'm not really. Um, I'm not really sitting on a pitch with two strikes um, just react. because I, I can I can see them all uh with my foot down early. So I guess I'm on time for the fastball, but um, you know, my foot's down so early I'm not really, you know, looking for anything. I'm just trying to see it out of the hand and um and, and that that'll differ depending on scouting reports and stuff. But um yeah, I think I feel like I I could do it all the time, but I feel like I would swing at a lot of stuff and
0: and, and get myself out. So and, and that, so what I noticed maybe too, is, is that you do it a little bit more left on left, right? Cause left on left is, is just really difficult. You're trying to get yourself to just stay close and stay on it. And you've been phenomenal left on left this year, uh, w- which really stands out to me. And I'm looking at the numbers right now, 304, 382, 380 slash line, which in terms of just putting the bat on the ball, that's great. Cause you look at some of the best power hitters in baseball. They, some of them have dramatic splits that are left-handed hitters and, is your focus more from the left side, just get the bat on the ball and and just be competitive because of how hard it is, uh, to just to hit left on left at, at the highest level or even in AAA? A? Or, uh, are you trying to tap into a bit more power left on left as well?
1: Yeah, that's always the goal. Um, you know, slug against lefties, and, and um, that's something that I feel like I struggled with a little bit last year and and, and kind of growing up just um facing lefties, but um, lefty I, guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, everybody, yeah.
1: But, um, you know, talking to uh, Corey Dickerson, he was down with us um, this past week, and I think he's back up in St. Louis. But um, me and him had good conversations about left-on-left left and um, just what you're, what you're trying to do, um, and it, it all depends on the lefty. It all depends on what kind of lefty he is, if he's, a you know, a sinker baller or he's, you know, a heavy slider, whatever it may be. Um, what 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 pitch you're looking for and what spot you're looking for is very important. And um, we we had some good conversations. And this week I felt like I had really good abs off lefties. I think you know I had two walks against lefties, had two or three hits against lefties. So um, kudos to him for you know sharing that info. And um, but yeah, obviously the the slug I would um, you know I'm shooting for slug obviously against lefties,
0: but, um, you know, I'll take my singles when I can get them. For sure. I was going to say, man, I, honestly, <laughs> I don't think it matters if you're hitting 304 left on left, because you're, you're getting your slug against righties is uh, 669 slugging percentage against right-handed pitching so far this year. <laughs> I, I think that that'll more than make up for it. And you're seeing a lot of hitters across the game. They lose a lot on their overall numbers because they, they just can't really, you know, compete even at the Mendoza line. Uh, left on left, so so to do what you're doing this early in your career against upper level pitching is is pretty awesome. C- can you talk a little bit more about uh, the veteran experience? I mean, you never want to see a vet get hurt and be on rehab, but it's got to be pretty exciting when you've got a guy that you know might be pretty similar profile wise, like a Corey Dickerson that can hit for power, hits for average, you know, does a little bit of everything at the plate, has carved out a really phenomenal career for himself, uh, and have someone like that come into triple and just being able to talk to them. Have you had any other experiences like that, maybe in spring training or, you know, in other circumstances? Because obviously there's a lot of legends and a lot of big time players uh, within the Cardinals organization right now. And uh, it's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in spring training, you know, I uh, was around a lot of those guys. And, um, you know, this year we've had uh, O'Neal come down. We've had Uh, Carlson come down and we've had Dickerson come down and and, um I think the best comp would be Dickerson for me just the way and and not like numbers wise or whatever but just his swing um and and his thought process in the box is very similar to what I'm what I try and do and it, it was really good to um Kind of pick his brain a little bit. He actually took all of us out to uh, all the outfielders out to dinner one night. And I was going to ask him
0: what 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 did he what was the spread or what was the what was the food situation because I know that's typically uh, the, the mo.
1: Yeah, yeah, he took us out to dinner. We were just in uh, Indianapolis, um, and he he took all the outfielders out to dinner. And um, but yeah, I mean, being in spring training, watching those guys go about their business and, and um, especially in their pre work and, and their you know their early early cage work and, and just watching that and watch what they what some of their processes are it was really interesting and then obviously being able to pick their brain a little bit too uh, was great
0: so i mean th- that's the coolest part and and that's the thing with triple is you never know who's going to come through and at, at the same time i mean the Cardinals are a team that are competing for you know they, they want to win it all. They're, they're a loaded team with with you know, Hall of Famers uh, at the twilight of their career, but also some of the most talented players in the game in the lineup. And um, you know you're here mashing in triple. And I know you got to focus on what you're focusing on, but I, I, I would imagine from time to time the the thought of playing at the big league level has to creep in a little bit. You talk about pressing last year on triple. How much of that maybe helped you this year now that you're performing the way you're performing? And like I said, off, off the jump, one of the best hitters in all the minor leagues right now, leading in A, you know, leading A in many offensive categories. You know that you're knocking on the door, you're doing everything you can do. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with, you know, timing and circumstance. And, you know, how do you continue to feel like you're ready without pressing and thinking about, that big league call up, you know, it's going to come and I can't wait for it to come. I know you can't wait more than anybody, but how do you balance that?
1: I mean, you basically said it all right there. I I think that, um, you know, I'm doing all I can do. I'm controlling what I can control. Um, you know, it's timing. It's going to happen at some point. Um, but for me and I've had conversations with guys in the locker room who have been up and, and, um, you know, have, have been, in, in similar in a similar boat as I am right now, you know, just waiting for it. And um, the the moment you start pressing, the moment you start, um, you know, thinking about it, the moment you, you know, if if I hit a home run today, I may get called to the big leagues. The the more you start to do that, the 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 results aren't aren't going to be what they are. And um, you know, as as for me, as long as I know that it's going to happen at some point, um, in the future. And I just don't know when it could be, it could be this year. It could be next year. It could be, God knows two, two or three years from now, but, um, it's going to happen at some point, as long as I, you know, believe in that and trust in that, then I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and, um, you know, enjoy where I'm at right now. And, um, but like you said, it's, it's, um, as soon as you start, let it, let it frustrate you. it It's, it goes
0: downhill from there. So. Um, yeah. I, I, that totally makes sense. And, and that's something I just always am, am fascinated by because it's just challenge of imbalance of just doing what you can do, controlling the controllable, but you know, I, everybody wants to fulfill that dream. But at the same time, if I told Alec Burleson June 27th, 2021, that I would be asking you a year, a year from then, uh, you know, how do you manage the expectations and, and you know, being on the brink of a call up? I think you, you would take that scenario any day. Oh, for league. sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't. The only thing better than than right now would obviously be in the big leagues, but yeah. in the position I'm in. So, um, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade anything. So.
0: Do you get any directives from the team? Like, hey, if you if you work on this or we're looking at you to improve on this or – and again, I think it's pretty hard to give a directive to a guy hitting 343 with a 967 OPS, but are there any things that maybe come from the top that like, hey, these are the things we're looking for uh, before you get called up or is it kind of just no idea, just keep doing what you're doing? No, I really don't get um, you know much from –
1: any higher up we had our we had our hitting coordinator in this past week and and i was kind of going over my um heat maps and stuff you know where where i'm swinging where i'm taking good swings when i'm taking bad swings and stuff like that but it was just more of a um i guess it was more of just just to see it just to see what it looked like yeah um but no there's not really much of what what you talked about going on um but I mean, that could change. So we'll see
0: what happens. <laughs> and uh, we'll get to defense to wrap up, which I know is like the least exciting thing for, especially for a corner outfield masher. And I don't think anybody wants to hear that much about, about defense from Alec Burleson. I want to see the bombs on Twitter all the time. And um, I was amped when, when I saw the one last night, I was like, boom, right, right before, right before our we talk. So ironically, we're going to go through that AB uh, because I thought it was a really, really good AB uh, mm-hmm. uh, overall uh, on the Streamyard YouTube uh Situation in a few minutes, but uh, on on the point of just the Cardinals, you talk about the hitting director, you know, talking to you, and I, I think it, you can't ignore what's happening throughout the Cardinals organization right now, which is guys like you, you know, first year out of college, mashing their way through through the minor leagues, but high school guys like Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn and uh, dudes that are you would just would not expect to hit the ground running the way they have. And that's nothing to do with them. I've loved them since they were drafted, but oh my goodness, are they exceeding expectations uh, even on the high end? Uh, You look across Juan Yepes. There's just so many different dudes that just continue to exceed expectations offensively. How much of that is is what's going on within the Cardinals organization? Um, And, and how much of that is just, Is it a collaborative environment? Is it just them identifying guys that are going to translate well? Is it a little bit of everything? I would love your thoughts on that as one of the examples that I think reinforces that point that the Cardinals are doing well with hitting prospects right now.
1: Yeah, I I think, like you said, it's a little bit of everything. You know, I think there's a lot of pieces that go into, you know, molding guys and, and, um, you know, helping those guys get to the next level. And, I mean, some guys are just uber-talented, like, you know, Jordan Walker, when they're they're just uber-talented. And, and, you know, even when they're struggling, their athleticism is going to take over and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I I think it's a combination of, um, you know, a lot of hands are in the pot for a lot of guys. And um, I think that the Cardinals really – put together their guys if that makes sense yeah Um, you know they're 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 really um kind of all in for you know turning turning guys that are that are okay at baseball into really good baseball players and and I credit some of my some of my success to, to the Cardinals for sure um and obviously I've had a lot of hands touch me through college and growing up but um, no, the, the Cardinals are great, you know, and, and they want the the all around player. They want the, the guy who can start every day on defense and, you know, and, and hit um, and, and can base run like they, they want all all of all encompassing players. And that's what a lot of these guys are. And um, it's it's fun to watch some of these guys for sure.
0: So you kind of lead me into the final topic here, and, and that's the defensive side of things. Obviously, you were a two-way player at ECU, so there's no question on the arm. Uh, but now be really full-time in, in the outfield, and I, if I'm not mistaken, you played a little bit of, of first base and uh, balanced between left and right in college.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was mo- mostly first. Yeah, um, but I, I would I played some outfield in college, so
0: yeah. even more so then, you know that that adjustment to being a full-time outfielder and a full-time you know upper minor minor league level outfielder Uh, ball comes off differently. I think the outfields are a little bit more cavernous. Uh, There's a lot more that goes into it. How has that been for you, especially at the upper levels? Uh, You know, I I would, we're going to talk about it again on YouTube. I want to talk about how the ball flies in triple a maybe compared to other levels. Of Course, you love that as a hitter, might be a little bit more challenging as a fielder. How's your adaptation been, uh, and just continued development on the defensive side of things? Because again, everyone's looking at you to match, but at the end of the day, you, you got to defend as well. Uh, in today's game, and as you said, the Cardinals really do put a lot of importance in that.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think last year, you know, I kind of just hit my way through, um, and, and you know, that covered up some defensive mistakes and stuff and and, um you know this year going into spring training i got down there a couple weeks early obviously uh the lockout was going on so there were there were some guys down there um that were able to be down there with us and and, um it's really just taking pride in your pre-work like your yeah when you're a bp and you're reading balls off the bat i mean that's for for an outfielder that's when you get your best reads um hitting fungos or, or shooting balls out of a machine is okay, but it's not as realistic as, you know, somebody hit, hitting a fly ball during BP or, or, and you're tracking it down the gap or trying to play it off the wall. And um, that was something that, like I said, I didn't really take pride in last year. And I think that this year I've done that. And obviously I'm not, um, you know, gold glove or whatever right now. But it definitely a work in progress, and um, it's something that it eases it eases my mind when I'm hitting because I know that I'm prepared in the outfield, and when I can go out there, I can just play the outfield, and then I don't have to, you know, worry about if I'm doing something wrong in the outfield or whatever. If that makes sense, yeah. Um, but but it's definitely definitely freeing the mind when you know you've prepared enough to, you know. You, you've already made plays that you need to make in the game. You've already done them in practice, so there's no no real reason to, you know, worry about them. What would you say the
0: biggest adjustment's been defensively?
1: I guess just, you know, being an everyday outfielder um, and, and obviously in AAA you've got, got some guys that can hit and, and it it's – it's getting those reads um, because every, like, like you said, every park's different, every, um, you know, guy, guy's different. Um, And just really getting comfortable out there. I, you know, I think most of last year I I wasn't very comfortable in the outfield. I was just trying not to mess up. And this year, like, I I want the ball to hit to the ball hit to me. Like I want to make a play and, um, I think that that's a big adjustment too. you know, you, you want the ball hit to you. So you're, you're more prepared to make the play. If you're like, don't hit the ball to me, then maybe, maybe you don't, maybe you're half a step slower to get to that ball and you don't make the play or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, for me, I I think wanting, wanting the balls hit to me, what was, it it just keeps me locked in and and keeps me that, you know, half step quicker.
0: Last question for you. Um, what what is the goal? What kind of baseball player do you want Alec Burleson to be, you know, 10 years from now? When we're looking at that big league career, you're you're deep into it. Um, you know, hopefully that's only halfway through your big league career. But, you know, what kind of player do you envision Alec Burleson being?
1: Um, I, I just want to be somebody who plays the game the right way. I don't um, you know, I want to respect the game um, because it's not easy. It's it's. I mean, you, you fail more than you succeed and and that's just the way the game is. And that's the beauty of the game is, you know, you, you fail a lot more than you succeed. And I think that for me, I just want to be known as as somebody who, you know, if I'm in the lineup, I gave that team a hundred percent of that day. And then if I'm in the lineup the next day, I did the same thing. Like I want to, I want to be the same guy that goes out there every single day and play the same way. And, um, you know, that, that was something instilled in me in college. And, um, you know, I kind of brought that with me to pro ball. And, and um, so, I, and obviously, I think that's kind of helped me a little bit, you know, showing up every day and, and you know, giving my all for that day and then, and then you know, resetting for the next day. So, um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of really the, the main goal for me is just, just to be known in that way.
0: And do and you feel like that kind of gets you away from results a little bit and just gets you more focused on again, controlling the controllable because you could do everything right uh, and line out to center and walk back to the dugout. That's what makes baseball. So, so infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if
1: you, if you show up every day, you know, you, you put yourself in the, in the best place to have success and you give yourself the best chance to have success. And, and um, if you don't show up and, and you're, you, you don't you know you're not locked in and you're trying to do you know hit four home runs a game like it's more likely not going to happen because you're not you, you didn't show up you're just kind of there to you know be there because you have to be and um but as long as you show up and, and you get the things you need done and um you know you're, you're the same player every single day you put yourself in the best place to have success and that's all you can do like you said control what you can control and um that's what I'm going to try and do every day.
0: Well, I mean, you're putting yourself in a position for success right now. It's I, Again, I can't reiterate enough. I'll do it one last time for the end of the episode. 343, 389, 578 with 15 homers and 55 driven in so far this year. So, I mean, you are doing Everything you could possibly do at the plate. And it's been really fun to follow along over the last year plus and uh, continue to do so moving forward. Really excited uh to continue to follow your success and uh you deserve it. I think most people can can see you're you're one of the more thoughtful guys too. I love that you take time to really think about it and give and give legitimate, you know, thoughtful answers because I think that's a big reason why you are the the successful player. You are that's continued to adapt and, and have this success. So it's been so fun to watch you play, man. Even more fun to talk to you. Uh, let's hop on to, St- to StreamYard. I mean, we're already on here to record the episode. But let's hop onto to the, uh, I guess, I don't know what to call it, a pro perspective where we're we're going to walk through some ABs and uh, people seem to love it. And I think it's going to be fun because uh, clearly you have a lot of uh, information to offer us and a lot of thoughts to offer us. So thanks again for taking the time on the podcast side, my man. And uh, I know everybody listening will be rooting for you moving forward and uh, just keep on keeping on.
1: I will. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.